Good morning again. Thank you for uh, coming back. I hope you're getting a lot of God in, not here for me. Um, this week was a kind of an unusual week for me because uh, it was one of those weeks where I just, I just was really spending a lot more time praying. And um, I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you've ever prayed and just give, given yourself a, to prayer a lot and been frustrated, even though you prayed a lot? Anybody? Well, that was happening for me this week, even after being with the intercessors for like, I think almost four hours on Thursday. Just, you know, shutting myself in my office this week and just getting on my knees and just waiting on God and praying, praying for us, praying that we will connect with God, praying that God would reveal his presence to us, praying that God would help us as uh, there are so many things going on in our church right now, so many positive things. There are so many people's lives being impacted and changed and things coming on our church that we're going to take on in our community like never before. And how we've been praying for people to get healed and notice there's more opposition, you know, to, to this and contending and believing with our intercessors that God wants to do miracles, that God is a God of miracles, that Jesus is the same as he was when he walked the earth. In fact, he's here in a greater way. And, you know, just trying to encourage um, ourselves. And I was thinking about myself also. You know, each one of us has our relationship with God. And you know, when you're in your relationship with God, it's, just, it's, you and, it's you and God. And so in a lot of ways, there's, there's expectations I have on God from all the years I've watched him work, from the things I've read in his word, from people I've seen minister in my life. And uh, like you've heard me mention like Oral Roberts, to, to be a young kid and see like what he brought to the body of Christ in that season where God did miracles of healing and restoration for people. And um, Thursday afternoon, I mean, after a long day of prayer, I felt like, like, you know, just somehow, somehow how God speaks to you where it just comes up and you're aware. It's, it's just a simple thing. And I felt like, he was saying to me, it's going to be in the body. I don't have to do it. All I have to do is stand here. All I have to do is keep praying, waiting on God, being the pastor here, but I'm not going to do it. God is going to raise up people. And then to have jury Munzer come on Saturday morning to our prayer, to our Bible study, and him, he doesn't say much, but when he said something, it was like profound because he talked about God wants to use every one of us in our unique gifts as part of the body. And so, you know, that was a little bit of a comfort to me on Thursday to feel like God said, you know, he's, he's going to do this through other people. Because when you're waiting on God and you're asking God for something, don't you get a little antsy? And now when God tells you it's going to be on a bigger equation or he reminds you this is a, this is a bigger thing than, than I can make happen or, or no matter how bad I want something, God is working through his people. So, so I felt like, okay, God, okay, you gave me that little nugget. So at 6 o'clock on, on Friday, I'm going home, and I'm, I'm, uh, I decide I'm going to do a walk. So I start walking, doing my walk in my neighborhood, and I'm walking, and I'm talking to God. And I feel like he reminds me of, that, of Hebrews 6, 12, about faith and patience, you know. And I just looked it up this morning because I've just been concentrating on other things. But, you know, it's through faith faith and patience, we inherit the promises. And so often we want something so much from God, and we're so desperate to get it. And for me, the way God's worked on my heart, 
I have a desperation for you. I have a desperation for you to rise up past all the distractions in your life, to be strong spiritual men and women. And I see so many of you doing that, rising to the occasion. But, you know, God gives you those little nuggets, and I'm still walking thinking like, man, God, come on. So then Saturday morning, you know, my message is kind of roughed out, and I kind of know what God wants, but as a human being in my natural mind, I want to have it all in order, but it never really happens. You know, I get this rough order. So I got up, I, God just got me up really early, or I couldn't sleep, so I got here really early. So it's like 5.30, you know, f- after 5, I'm praying. I'm just waiting on God, and I'm just waiting on God. And about 20 after 5, I just thought, okay, I'm going to just start looking at the message and start, you know, putting it together. And then just something in me says, no, wait more, Bruce. Don't give up, wait more. You know, I had just spent time thanking God, just, you know, looking back over my life, thanking God for things that I wasn't thankful for, reflecting on correction I got from different leaders in my life. And did that really take hold, that correction that was given me? Did I really let it go into the, the, the depths of my heart? God, is, is there any of that left? You know, and then just thanking God, praising God. You know, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. God, thank you, God. You know, I have eternal life. I have so many other things that are bothering me, so many other things I want from you, so many other things I want you to do for people. God, I just want to thank you. Again, you know, pushing past that thing where, you know, we go into his presence, we, we shoot out our list and by God. But it's like somehow, you know, in all this prayer we're going on this week, there is something deeper that God was really getting me in touch with. And then um, after a few minutes, and here it is, like another 22 minutes, right? Um, this song comes up in my heart, and it's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom of God. And um, I, I start kind of singing it a little bit. Then I remembered I have it on my music files and my, my thing, so I look it up. It takes me about five minutes to look up, so I start playing it. I must have played it 100 times yesterday. But as I began to, to, to listen to the words in that song, and it resonated with the kingdom of God that is in us, my relationship with God, I had such a deep connection with God. I had such a Holy Spirit connection, me and Jesus and God, so connected. My spirit was so connected with God. I felt like it doesn't matter if nothing I see needs to change ever happens. And I'm telling you, God wants to have each one of us have those experiences that when we experience the presence of God, we are transferred into a realm that is so different. I had a joy come over my life that I don't think I've ever experienced in my life. And it was like otherworldly. And think of it, you guys. We are so focused on this life. We are so distracted by so many things. We are otherworldly. We are other kingdom created. When we asked Jesus Christ to come into our life, we were transferred into another kingdom. You know, I went to a supervisor's meeting this week, and, you know, they pledged allegiance to the flag, you know, and, Wow, that reminded me, I'm in the kingdom of the United States. And it has its own order and its own set of rules and its own way it's going. But when I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life, the kingdom of God was initiated into my life. A kingdom that's greater than this kingdom. A kingdom that is full of power, full of answers, full of hope, full of joy. But so often I'm caught up in this nasty world. And even as a Christian, I'm bombarded by circumstances and situations where I give God a few seconds, but this other kingdom that my spirit is dying to experience is trapped. 
It's trapped by a soul wrapped up in the world around, wrapped up with fears and concern, and Satan's good enough to fire every fear at me that can be fired, even the fears that are down low, downrange, farther down the road. What if this happens? What if that happens? Oh, I don't know. What if I'm not even there when that happens? What if I'm home in heaven? But those torments, those things that come over us, that separate us from the kingdom of God. And so what I'm encouraging you is, in these few words, like we, we talked about faith last week, you know, we talk about coming into the presence of God with just being thankful, just praising his name. Then, you know, getting to that place where somehow our, our natural mind, will, and emotions seems to relax a little bit, and then our spirit can begin to allow worship to come up, where worship is that realization because your spirit is finally pushed through everything, and it's allowed to rise into that place of ascendancy where it's truly communing with God, and there's a gratefulness that begins to come out. And when that connection comes between you and God, because when you look at the, the earth and you see God, and we're, we're like less than a, even a pinhead of a microscopic thing, and yet God cares about us. God is intimately acquainted with every one of the problems I have and everything that concerns me. I tell you, it pushes us into a whole nether realm. And I want you guys and girls, I want you to start spending a little bit more time in your prayer. I want you to move from just this a place of, of dialogue into this place where your heart is truly connecting with God. I tell you, when that begins to happen, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Those irritations that Satan has and those answers that you want are going to happen because it's God's will. When we're living in the kingdom of God, when heaven is brought down to earth, things begin to change. The whole thing that we deal with, everything begins to transform and change. But what goes on to keep our spirit oppressed. That is what the big thing is. And, you know, those of you, I'm hoping you're here, and those of you who are checking us out, or those of you who are just kind of maybe just wondering what's going on, we are praying and hoping and believing that you're going to buy in and that you're going to throw your gift into this church and that you're going to be a part of the body of Christ in this local church. That if God has called you into this place and there's something that he's planted you, that you're going to put your roots down and you're going to let the Holy Spirit work on you in such a way that you're going to rise up and you're going to be putting your gift into this place. And people are going to be affected and changed because the kingdom of God is inside of you. That's just my intro. The title of my message is The Holy Spirit Leads Us Into God's Kingdom. The Holy Spirit leads worshipers. In John 4, 23 and 24, Jesus said, A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And I know in our natural minds, because we're so busy, for us to even kind of figure out, well, how much time do I give them? When, when, when we're in our mind trying to figure out how much time we give God so we can connect in our heart, there's just no amount of time. You can't put a time limit on it. But in just starting to give yourself a little bit of time, I tell you, because you were made for that connection, because Jesus, when he was on the cross and he was dying for our sins and, and the world was blacked out between him and God, and, and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he was taking all of our sins. Anything that would separate us was put on Jesus so that we would now have this incredible connection with God, spirit to spirit, heart to heart. 
to rise above the world and to rise above circumstances, to have a deep place of peace and love that surpasses any kind of peace that we can get in this natural world. Yeah, there's times we can get peace for cer- with certain things and we can get a good feelings for, for a while. If, if we can keep circumstances, everything balanced there for a moment, we have, we have peace. But I tell you, the kind of peace that Jesus is offering is so much greater. God's kingdom is so much greater. And no wonder why the apostles and disciples could be sawn in half and have their heads cut off and be boiled in oil and be burned to death and be, you know, everything that was done to them because they had learned to be able to let their spirit connect to that world that they were now a part of, the kingdom of God. It transpires time and space in our, in our minute little intellects. It really is what is now. But part of that is just being a worshiper. While we worship, we learn to see and follow how the Spirit would lead us. Again, when, when you connect, your heart connects with worship, when your heart connects spirit to spirit connection, there's a knowing, pretty much a knowing what God wants. It may not always be what you like. It's not always been what I like. But there's been, there becomes an awareness that I'm into something better. You know, I have to finally say after 14 years, I'm glad I don't work, I don't drive truck anymore. 14 years. It's taken 14 years for God to work on me and realize their priorities and what a privilege to be able to be a Christian and to be able to have a relationship with God. It is the most surpassing, greatest thing that we have been offered an opportunity to buy into. When God's love was reached out to us and we responded to him as sinners and our spirit was born again, that is the greatest experience or the start of the greatest experience we could ever have. And that launches us into the kingdom of God. Worship is made personal when we pray, like in the Our Father prayer, your kingdom come. How often do we have a measure of understanding of who we want to be, what we want to do, and it's like we're praying our kingdom. We're praying our kingdom. And I just was so overwhelmed about um, Peter. You know, Peter had that revelation. You know, he's John's disciple. Him and Andrew are John's disciples. And, and so he already has a God thing going on in his life, and he has spiritual interests. But when he lets Jesus use his boat, and then when he'd fished all night and they couldn't catch any fish, and then Jesus tells him where to put the net and the boat is filled, Peter is overwhelmed and he comes into this deep place of worship and he bows down and he says, my Lord and my God, worship. What caused him to worship? He had a need met, but the need only triggered the greater experience he was now having in his spirit, heart to heart. It was with Jesus. And he didn't want anything else because he had just tapped into something that was greater satisfaction. Maybe if you have a favorite food and that's the only thing you ever buy, or that's the only thing you, you go out at a favorite restaurant, that's the only thing you order. And what about if someone gets something through your lips that tastes a little bit better? I tell you, you put it aside, and that's going to be the new item on your list of what you want to eat. That's the way it is spiritually. When our heart is allowed to connect with God, there's just such something else we want that just pushes everything out of the way. I told Dory yesterday, I have not had, a, I have not had an experience like this yet in my life where 
I just am at this different place in my heart. I want more of God. And, and I'm seeing him as he's going to take care of the things. Yes, there's going to be more problems. Jesus promised, in this world you're going to have tribulation. But be of good courage, because I have overcome the world. His presence, Psalms 140, 13. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. The only reason why we can come is because, hey, we are righteous. doesn't matter what you're thinking or feeling about yourself. The Bible says that through Jesus we're righteous. And through the Holy Spirit in our life, we're in a process of sanctification where if there's things not right, he's working out righteousness. And part of it is that uh, conviction and things going on. But because we're upright and righteous, again, no matter what our thoughts tell us, no matter what our feelings tell us, we can go into his presence. And that is the greatest thing Jesus offers us is entrance into the very presence of God. Do you have a favorite chair? A favorite chair. Do you have a favorite place where you let down? After your hard day's labor, is there a place you go and this is, that's your spot? Maybe it's in the shower. Do you have a place where you feel really comfortable? Is there a place or a retreat that you go to where, man, this is it? Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God our Father, our relationship with him, that's where there's this open door for us to dwell. Again, the moment we responded to God's love through Jesus Christ and accepted him, Jesus has entered our heart. The Holy Spirit has been dropped in there. The New Testament says that he's our guarantee that when it's whatever we're going to go through until we go to heaven, that's our guarantee that we got, we got God. We're, we're doing good. And so literally, the presence of God is always with us. The psalmist, remember, even if I make my bed in hell, if I'm going down the wrong road, God is still with me. He never abandons us. He loves us. He cares. Now, he may be trying to shift us and turn us, but he's not mad at us. And he will steer us back the right way. But can you get a revelation of that for yourself? that the presence of God is right there in you right now. And if you're here today and you're just kind of checking this out, you can ask Jesus Christ to come into your life today and begin to experience the consciousness of that presence. But your feelings are not always going to identify with that presence or the problems that you're facing or the, or the things that you want to see changed or the aches and pains in your body or whatever it is. It's going to stand in defiance of the opportunity to draw on the presence of God and to live in the presence of God. And in the reality of the joy that comes from being in relationship with God and having the Holy Spirit inside. In Psalm 16, 11, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know, I had all these verses, but I, I had the experience yesterday morning at 540. 
I was connected in a way I cannot even describe to you. God is spirit, Jesus said, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's just like that light bulb, those light bulbs. There's wire going everywhere to them, but we see the light on. Jesus Christ established a communication line between us. It's spirit to spirit, and it travels. Who knows from what dimension or even if it's out in space, a literal place, heaven, and it finds a place in my heart, and the light bulb goes on, the revelation comes on in my heart, and I experience the joy, I experience the personal emotion and sensation in my spirit that's far above my natural mind or my emotions. That's that, that presence of God. And then joy, I tell you, joy has a level that only heaven has. Why? Because there's no depression in heaven. There's no lack in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no cancer in heaven. There's no problems in heaven. It's all flowing out of heaven. Good things are flowing out of heaven. Bad things are only here since Satan started his kingdom when he ripped off Adam and Eve from the kingdom God had started through them. The kingdom of this world, the wars, the problems, all the things that go on, the negative are in this kingdom. When you get into God's presence, I'm hoping there's going to be some testimonies next week that some of you are going to start dipping in to the presence. And I hope there's going to be a lot of time next week that we'll have to take in hearing what your experience is going to be this week. Because if I'm saying it from here, because I've been praying and asking for the word for this week, I'm believing God wants you to have experiences this week. God wants you, maybe you've gone through a long time. Maybe you've been a long, dry season. Maybe you're an old Christian and you've just been doing the right thing. And maybe your heart's even a little separated because it's been so dry. I tell you, the rains are coming. Refreshment is coming. God wants you to experience him. He didn't do all that he did to just now, okay. I'm not, you know, have my heart. No, I'm going to punish you. I'm going to mess with you. People mess with you. God won't mess with you. But the enemy will mess with your mind and your emotions, making you feel like God does not care about me anymore. I have not felt his presence in such a long time. He doesn't care about me anymore. God's about ready to blow that lie away from you. Faith grows from relationship. The Holy Spirit lives in my spirit because I'm born again. That is a place of communion with God. As we learn to receive our spirits, we receive our spirits, we learn how to be spirit-led. Receiving again. Again, I had prayed a few minutes. I didn't have a lot of prayer requests because I had been praying a lot, but I just sat there with my heart open. And he came. I think that's that part about just waiting. It's hard for us to wait. I tell you, it's been hard for me to wait. It's hard to just sit there when you, your mind starts telling you all the things you need to do. Or maybe even there's some fun things to do. And when your mind starts telling you those fun things, it's really ripping you off of a joy that is so much greater and cannot be compared with anything in this world. You know, we spend a lot of money on our body image and health and sports. And I think some of the, the things that we pr- that probably suffers our, our, our eternal, our spiritual development. 
we've been praying for healing, that people will be healed. And I felt like this was a word that I got, a, a verse I got this week too. This is Jeremiah 8:22 of the Amplified. Jeremiah is prophetically writing, and he's dealing, always dealing with Jerusalem, with the Jews. And it said of Jeremiah that of all the things he did and all he preached and how he represented, he never really saw fruit in his ministry. And he says this. This is God speaking prophetically. Is there no balm in Gilead? And that was this healing oil that was gotten from crushing different parts of tree bark and different things to get an oil that they used to try to bring, you know, uh, different healing to skin things and stuff like that. So God is asking, is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people restored? Because Zion no longer enjoyed the presence of the great physician. He's not saying you can't use your physicians or go to the doctor, but he's saying there's an underlying root cause. If God created our bodies, as we seek the presence of God, in his presence, there is fullness. I was thinking about that one verse. I didn't, I didn't write it down or put it in the notes, but it, it said that, you know, Jesus was going about the different towns, and it says, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Well, presence or present, you know, God, when God is on the scene, the healing flows. In his presence, as you know, we abandon ourselves. Different things happen in our bodies. Why? Because life comes from the body. Wasn't it the Spirit of God that went into that clay that made Adam a living, breathing soul and being? Wasn't it the presence of God that Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave? Wasn't that a dead, decaying body that the Holy Spirit went into, the presence of God went into and resurrected it out of a, a dirty old rotten piece of meat that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of our spirit but our mind and our emotions and our experiences are all telling us God doesn't care he's not working on me he's not interested and so we we're going after all these other things in our society because it's the world has all these other options I'm not saying don't press all the options but you should spend enough, as much time as you're spending in those doctor's offices in the waiting room before God, bringing your problem, inquiring of the Lord, asking God, what do you want to do in this situation? Or God, is there something in this situation that's blocking something deeper that you're trying to get to in my life that you're trying to work on to bring me this freedom? God wants to heal you. God is a healer. We constantly are praying for people to be healed. We will always be praying for people to believe, to, to be healed, and believe for people to be healed. I just want to go back to faith for a moment. You know, we talked about faith last week. And uh, I want to give you this quote again. Faith is seeing with the heart. The scriptures contrast the life of faith with the limitations of the natural sight. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says and reminds us that we walk by faith, not by sight. Again, what are those things that are taking away our peace? What are those things that are distracting us from trusting God or being in his presence? We are called to walk in faith. We are called and called by God to wait and rest in him. 
Did you know Jesus just copied the Father? He didn't do anything on his own. He said he only does what he saw the Father. This is John 5, 19 and 21. The Jews were asking him things, and so he gives them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what, the fa- what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Now we know also the Holy Spirit being the resident one working on the earth, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are working together. They're manifest together in the, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's like, okay, that's too big for us to figure out. But God is working through us. In John 9, 6-7, there's a blind man Jesus deals with, and he's blind from birth. Jesus spit on the ground and made some mud with the saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Saloma, the word meaning sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. That man's blindness could be a representation of the natural world that's full of unbelief and contrary to God. The mud in the eye of the blind man is rooted in Jesus' ability to see. You have to think about that one for a while. The mud in the eye of the blind man is rooted in Jesus' ability to see. He saw into God. He saw into God's unlimited power. And he knew God wanted to heal that man's eyes. The mud on his eyes was just a representation of his blindness spiritually. And that God comes to penetrate our unbelief. And those things that Satan uses to cause us to be in doubt and unbelief. Those things that cause us to withdraw or keep ourselves from the presence of God. I want to encourage you, if you're angry with God, if you're frustrated with God, I want to encourage you to go on a deep quest of seeking God's presence. I tell you, something will change. Something will break. Worship, faith, and the Holy Spirit. God is very committed to teaching us how to see. To make this possible, he gave us the Holy Spirit as a teacher. The curriculum that he uses is quite varied, but the one class we all qualify for is the greatest of all Christian privileges, and that's worship. Learning how to see is not the purpose of our worship, but is a wonderful byproduct Again, worship brings us into the presence of God, which just amplifies that connection because God is spirit and now we're reborn spirit. And our kingdom, we're, I mean, we're connected now with God's kingdom. There is a greater ability to hear and be led by the Holy Spirit and to know God's mind for us and the, and the decisions that we have to make. Psalm 16:8. I keep my eyes always on the Lord, With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. We all know David was a worshiper. We know that David started his work as the harpist, and when that evil evil spirit came on Saul, David would, would begin to play the worship, and that evil presence would leave Saul. 
and Saul had a measure of comfort. We know that Saul met the prophets as he was, uh, uh, as he was coming down when he first got ordained, and it was the atmosphere of worship that brought the prophetic presence upon the prophets, and then even Saul found himself prophesying with them. It was David's ability to worship that opened that door of seeing for him, and it, it gave him the ability to trust and walk with God and have that heart after God. If he wasn't a worshiper, how could his spirit have been developed? And so worship is such a key element. And David wrote so many of the Psalms. Why? He understood the key to the presence of God, and it was through worship. And I just want to thank Jeff for stepping up today, and I thank you for our worship team that brings us music, brings us songs that creates the atmosphere for us to experience the presence of God, that creates the atmosphere for us to begin to worship and praise and give thanks to God, that we can benefit on hearing and receiving from God and and have the presence of God come to us. Again, all this about faith is realizing the kingdom of God. Faith is a mirror of the heart that reflects the realities of an unseen world the actual substance of his kingdom. Through the prayer of faith, we are able to pull the reality of his world into this one. That is the function of faith. Wasn't Jesus always encouraging people to bring heaven down, to pray heaven down? Didn't he teach us in the Our Father prayer, the daily prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, as it is in heaven, so on earth? There is too much of heaven that's not happening in our lives. We've got to have the presence of God, and we have to have that understanding. Yes, we live in this natural world. Yes, God is going to bless us in this natural world. Yes, God's, God's going to give us pleasures and good times in this natural world, natural world, but we are citizens of the kingdom of God, and our first allegiance is into that eternal kingdom, to be building in that and for that eternal kingdom that we might be ready to go, but we might be so much more fulfilled in this life as we are representatives of the kingdom, using those unique gifts and the presence of God in our life to affect the broken and lost people around us. The definition of the kingdom, a state or a people ruled over by a king or a queen, a realm or area of activity in which a particular thing is thought to dominate. You know, we talked a little bit and Thrive, too, about, you know, the mind, the battlefield of the mind. We showed that, that DVD where there's such a warfare over our mind and emotions because those are the key places of our will. And if those are arrested, we are, we are like tied down like a balloon. We are, we are just tied down to this world and to the limits of the earthly kingdoms that we find ourselves in. In Matthew 4.17, Jesus said, Repent to see the kingdom of God. After spirit filling and the wilderness test, yes, even Jesus had a test of his faith. From that time, Jesus began to preach, crying out, Repent, change your mind for the better, heartily amending your ways with abhorrence of your past sins, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here's two great truths of the Bible. First, repentance. And a lot of times we just hung up on the repentance because that's where we all, all start. God wants to change us. Part of us is so entrenched in a lifestyle or a, a habit pattern or addiction that it's every part of our mind, our will, our emotions, and even in our bodies. Repentance is a gift of God. 
it's God's goodness that is extended to us that really initiates the change that overflows in our mind, will, and emotions, in our soul, and begins to break the pattern of our, habit, our, our habits. The kingdom of heaven is now. It's here. And so that was another place where Jesus was trying to get them to see. And again, he was trying to do the same thing. Don't be thinking about your past life. Don't be thinking about, here's repentance. Boom, you're changed. Start living as a changed person. My Holy Spirit's here. The power to live differently is here. But start living in the kingdom. The kingdom is at hand. When Jesus came on the scene, he brought the kingdom because he could pay for our sins and bring the kingdom to us. John, we know, was the one that was ushering in the kingdom, and he was declaring, hey, the kingdom of God is coming. It's coming. It's coming on the scene. Just like next week, they're, you know, or next month, they're advertising the new programs on TV or you know, what's coming in the fall or the new movies that are coming out. Hey, so-and-so, this is going to be in this movie next month. The kingdom of God is now. When Jesus came on the scene, it's not going to be in heaven. The kingdom of God is now. What's going to happen if we start living as the kingdom of God now is living in us? If we give the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, its right in this place in us, how are we going to pray differently? How are we going to believe about our situations? How are we going to look at our finances? How are we going to look at those, uh, those oppositions that face us that usually discourage us and cause us to be down and discouraged? Wait, the kingdom of God is now in me. Because Jesus did a step further. We're past his death and resurrection. We're past the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now the kingdom of God is resident inside of us. It's not only at hand, it's now taking up residence in my spirit. Yours too. Matthew 4, 23 and 25. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and diseases among the people. Then fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond Jordan. Jesus was demonstrating heaven's blessing. It's like, I don't know about you guys. We used to have a bread man come around when I was a kid. You save your seven cents up, you could buy a chocolate-covered cake donut. There were some days I waited all day for that guy to come around. Jesus was saying, this is what heaven is like. This is what heaven is like. It's healing. It's deliverance. It's freedom. It's all the good things. And so he was demonstrating it. That's the kingdom of God now residing inside of us. The greatest sermon ever preached was on the kingdom. Matthew 5, 2 through 10. And Jesus began to teach them, and he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Are you feeling poor in any area? Start going into the presence. That poor thing, whatever it is that is affecting you, is what God will use to cause you to press into the kingdom, will cause you to press into your promises will cause you to press into your inheritance, will cause you to press into his presence. Those examples that Jesus gave of those people that were pressed in upon him for healing, those are, those are not accidents. Those people had desperate situations. Where did they go? They pressed into Jesus. He had a track record. He had a good report of being able to override the negative things that were happening from the, from the kingdom of the world. 
from the kingdom that Satan is God over. Verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Have you gone through some grief? Are you in a place of mourning? Look out. Your day's coming. Your day's coming where your mourning will be turned into gladness, where there will be a joy that replaces your sorrow and your sadness, because this is the kingdom. That's the kingdom. Oh, yeah, I'm mourning now, but the kingdom is to push you out of the negative and push you into the positive experience. Jerry, Mermis, you are pressing into the kingdom. You are stepped out of your boat, and you're in a whole new place. You and Laura are going to experience the kingdom. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I know if we've been hurt a lot, a lot of times we want to, we want to, pr- to protect ourselves or defend ourselves. Jesus is saying, be meek. Admit, hey, they got it over on me. Hey, my best friend burnt me. Hey, my family burnt me. Hey, someone took advantage of me. Hey, I got ripped off. Hey, I got abused. What is he saying? He's not minimizing what you went through, but he's saying, I want to move you out of that experience into the kingdom experience. The meek, the humble, the righteous, they will be filled. That's why inventory is so good in taking a spiritual inventory of ourselves. Where have we stopped growing? Where have we gotten cold towards God? Where are our priorities? When we start just seeing it and we say, God, forgive me, he's going, yes. Every time we repent, every, every time we recognize where we're at and we repent, He's moving us into the kingdom. He's moving us into blessing. He's moving us into a change of of season. They will inherit the earth. Every good thing is from God. And it's for us. He said he will not withhold from us any good thing. That's a promise we need to hang on to. When the enemy is saying, oh yeah, if I give more time to God or if I I turn this over to God... He, he's going to just take it away. No, Satan is the one that is called the thief. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Why does God get the bad rap? Leviathan, anytime the word of God is twisted, remember Dory taught on Leviathan last week? That's the twisting of the Leviathan spirit. He twists God's truth. Didn't he twist it in the very beginning? Wasn't that Leviathan spirit, uh, him, himself, the serpent, where he twisted what God had said to Eve? The enemy will twist the truth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, where they will be filled. I have to admit, there are times I'm hungry, and you've heard me say that over the last couple months, I feel really hungry spiritually. And I'm praying, and I'm asking, and I'm telling God, I'm not satisfied. And I don't totally understand why it takes a while, but when we're hungry and thirsty, he fills us. Blessed are the merciful, for they will show mercy. Is there someone around you that needs mercy. I had someone cut in front of me. I almost ran him over Friday, and then he cut over me again a block later. And I thought, oh, God, I have to give him mercy. (laughs) Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And that caused me to see even my frustration with that that guy on his motorcycle that I didn't want blood on my truck. (laughs) And I had to say, God, look at me. I don't have mercy right now. And it allowed me to pray, God, take this area over. Again, this is an area that gets triggered. When we get triggered, it's almost like all our progress of spiritual movement forward, we just think, oh, it's all in the trash can. We have to start all over. No, it's not. We have an old nature that's dead, but it's always trying to be resurrected because of the kingdom of this world. 
but we don't live in the kingdom of the world. So we can say, God, thank you, God, that your mercy got. And I pray for that guy. Lord, bless him. Don't let him get run over by anybody else. Keep him safe. Lord, save him. But we have to be proactive instead of beating ourselves down because we don't have the right Christian response. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Oh, you know what? Part of just coming into his presence is just reflecting over what he saved us out of. You know, and thanking God. Thank you. That's who, who I was. That's the kind of sin was in my life. That's where my heart was. Thank you for saving me. What does it do when we rehearse that? It tenderizes our heart when we realize what someone's done for us. And it causes us to be able to be open. What happens when our heart's open? Ah, presence. We're receiving. We're connected. We're feeling joy. We're feeling love. We're feeling hope. That situation doesn't look as dark as it did. We're thinking God's working on that situation. That mountain is getting moved. Right, Linda? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. True peacemakers are those who can love people, forgive them, and create such a a witness that um, those people can change because you're extending the grace of God when you are a peacemaker. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Yes, as a Christian, you're going to be judged, persecuted, but yours is the kingdom of heaven. Our key verse, I got to my key verse this week. Week two, Luke twelve thirty two, Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God wants to give you heaven and all of its resources. God wants to give you all the goodness that he has planned for you. Has your plans kind of failed or has your life been a rough road so far? God is working his new plan since you asked him into your heart. And he's not done. Most Christians repent enough to get forgiven, but not enough to see the kingdom. Most Christians repent enough to get forgiven, but not enough to see the kingdom. I think the biggest place we can repent for is of neglecting someone who loves us so much. How many of us have invested in people and they burn us and then we close our heart? Or we go and try to invest in another relationship or another person. And Jesus is saying, I love you. I will never reject you. I think he's the first one we should invest in. Because out of that, we'll have grace to go into relationships and get hurt, forgive, love, get hurt again, forgive, love, get hurt again, forgive, love. It's all part of the presence. It's all part of maintaining his presence, the love of God forgiving people. You know, sometimes we judge a person and we think, oh, they don't know what they're doing. Why are they doing that? We don't know. We just judge ourselves. Judge ourselves. God, am I doing right? Pray for people that we think we should judge. Let's pray for them instead of judging them. Jesus' purpose was revealed in his primary message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now there's something that caught them completely off guard he brought his world with him. What a new revelation for us to realize Jesus is bringing his world to us. How often, though, do we have the door slammed shut and bolted? Oh, no. If I let you in, I know you have a different plan. Satan saying, no, if you let him in, oh, he's got something. You're going to go to Africa. You're not going to have a dime. Um, you know, 
you're going to be hated. You're going to be beaten. You're going to die on the cross. I mean, no, no, no. Open the door. Be open and abandoned. Like, what are you, do you want to do, God? What do you want to do? God, I want to sell out because I want the presence. I want the presence. Those disciples, they bought into something, and we think they were crazy. They all died. What was it? The kingdom. It so was so much greater inside of their heart than anything that they faced. I want to stop here, and maybe our worship team could come, and we could knock our lights down a little bit. If you want personal prayer today about anything, people will pray with you. And again, the Holy Spirit will minister to you. The Holy Spirit will lift off things. If you uh, maybe would want to come to the altar and just say, you know what? I just need a breakthrough in your presence. God, I need a breakthrough in your presence. Lord, I'm hungry for your presence. Lord, I need that joy back. People will pray for you. Just let them know what you want prayer for. If you want to be by yourself, just kind of hang by yourself. Sometimes the greatest thing, too, is just to be by yourself on your knees before him and let God do what he wants to do. If you're here and you need to accept Jesus, there are people who are who will pray with you and give you a Bible.